Welcome to our Transgender School podcast. We're here to talk about diverse transgender identities and experiences so that we can all be better allies and advocates. We'll also discuss current events, welcome guests, and share actions you can take to support trans people. I'm Bridget, and my daughter Jackie came out as a transgender woman about four years ago when she was 19 years old. I was totally unprepared, but I have learned a lot since then. And now Jackie and I are passionate about sharing what we've learned. When I came to terms with being trans, I realized that I absolutely needed to transition, but coming out was very stressful. Now that a few years have passed, things have gotten somewhat easier, and I want to help other trans people navigate their own unique experiences. I want to go ahead and welcome our guests, who I am incredibly excited to have here. Thank you so much, Monica and Ash, for being here with us today, and welcome. Just want to say hello to start. Welcome, and thank you for being here. Hi, Bridget. Thank you you for having us. We're really excited. This is our first time doing a a live podcast on Facebook and recording the podcast. (laughs) You're you're doing it all. We're trying. We're trying. Thank you. Well, I'm glad. Well, you are, I I just want to say, we're so excited about this conversation. You are, we're calling you TikTok influencers. I mean, you have just, you had so much of a response. You have over 5 million. I think you're getting close to 6 million likes, people engaging with you on TikTok. Your videos are so powerful. Short videos but that really educate and inform and go deep on so many topics and so many issues that we want to normalize. And so the name that you selected, the normalizers, is so perfect and just we just love it. And we just want to have a conversation about what you're doing, what led you to do this work. Tell us about your family. Um, But we want everybody who's out there and hearing this to go to TikTok and go everywhere. They're everywhere, of course, just like we are. Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Book. But TikTok seems to be where you've really found your people who really are following. Is that true? That's our home base. Yeah, yeah. for sure. We're, we just hit 122,000. Not that I'm counting. Wow. <laughs> we, just, we just, we just, yeah, we're really, really excited at our growth on TikTok. It's just mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. It's really it impressive. Yeah, it's and it's a whole family affair what you're doing. So I, I want to let's just, just back up a little and have you introduce the whole family, if you don't mind, because you have three kids, right? I don't know if you have more, but I we see three in the videos. So everybody out there listening, you've got to go and follow on TikTok everywhere out there at Monica, the teacher, which is spelled like we know the name Monica, but it's pronounced Monica, right? Um, so please go follow. You're going to learn a lot and just fall in love with their family. So why don't we have you and Jackie want to say hi first before we. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you so much for being here. I was really excited to talk to you. I checked out some of your TikToks and yeah, I thought there were some really interesting um, topics you touched on, some interesting experiences that I could relate to. So yeah, looking forward to this conversation. Yeah. Thanks, Jackie. Just wanted you to say hi, too, so everybody knows you're here, too. So tell us about your family, please. So, yes, I have three kids, and Ash is my eldest. My name is Ash. I'm 15, and I use they, them pronouns. And I am a non-binary lesbian, and that sounds confusing to a lot of people. (laughs) So I've had to explain that a bunch of times, and I can explain it again. I'm a junior in high school, and I don't know. I work on the normalizers a lot. Yeah. So yeah. Ash is actually yeah. my chief marketing officer. <laughs> like, yeah, that no. is actually Ash's title. And Ash does like an in- incredible job of it. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. spend a lot of time with the normalizers. <laughs> you, you probably do a better job than a lot of professional chief marketing officers. <laughs> no yes. joke. I'm like, yeah. I don't need to hire somebody and pay them money. I can like give Ash food and shelter. <laughs> <laughs> No, but really, um, Ash, I think exactly. you love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I, um, I, I'm technically chief marketing officer. I honestly just work on whatever I can with the normalizers. Oh, yeah. I yeah. I love um, interacting with our community. I love growing our community. I love, um, I don't know, um, just yeah. talking to people and helping people. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. I think it's such an amazing feeling to feel like I am making a difference. Like yeah. I can see the yeah. difference I'm making. That's just like, it's the most incredible feeling in the world, honestly, when you're like, 
people write and say, you saved my life. Like, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll yes. start crying, but like that's, yes. um, <laughs> I cry yes. easily. Yeah, me too. Same here. Same here. We can, you can cry with us. We can cry together. I feel the same way. When, when <laughs> we get that comment like that, like, yeah. um, or like, I actually feel safe here. That's never yeah. happened on the internet. Like those mm-hmm. comments, it's so clear the difference that Ash is making by being yes. out there, you know, and yes. it's yes. not always easy to do so. So it's no, really yeah. nice to, to see that. Yeah. And, yes. um, and, and, uh, I was going to say Ash, was at school and was like bored for half an hour and texted me and was like, give me normalizer. Like I think it's really fun too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It seems like you two really work together, you know, and it's, it's a, it's really something that you enjoy doing and that means a lot to, to both of you and to the whole family. It's beautiful to see. It really is. It's really funny too. Cause like my husband will walk in, Ash's dad, his name is Nick and yes. he'll walk in and he'll be like, do you want to watch a show with me, Ash? And Ash will be like, I'm in a meeting. <laughs> and it'll be just like, and we'll just be having Boba on the back. Right, right. <laughs> but, but actually it is. Yeah. We'll actually be doing important work, but it's really yes. fun. It's like. It's serious work. It really is, though. I mean, it's funny because I saw one of your videos where you had Nick and it was like he doesn't understand TikTok. It says something about, right? Like so many people don't understand what you're doing and the importance and the impact of it. We do. I mean, when you say you're safe, you're literally saving many people's lives by creating this safe space for people who don't have it in their in their actual life, you know, and can't find it on the Internet. So um, it's it is important, important work. It really is to be taken very seriously, but we can have fun with it too. And I see that you're doing both, you know? Um, um, so and then us, I have yeah, two more kids. More. Yes. <laughs> um, tell us so about some, them. I'm like, don't forget my other kids. Yes. Um, Summer <laughs> is my middle child. Um, Summer is autistic and non-binary. Mm-hmm. And so actually we just posted today a video because they were getting harassed at school. And we were yeah. talking about how like Summer, blo- we didn't say this in the video, but Summer belongs to like at least three protected classes, yeah. right? Yeah. Like Summer yeah. has mm-hmm. technically a disability, um, yeah. although we don't tend to think of it that way, but yeah. um, uh, is non-binary and then mm-hmm. is like a person of color, a minority, right? And so mm-hmm. um, Summer gets harassed at school pretty much every year um, in different ways. And so it just started happening. They just started back at school and it started happening within Mm -hmm. the first week. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's hard. Um, But, uh, but summer is actually like the most like joyful, like goofy. They're so silly. hilarious. So funny. Yeah. Yeah. I see and that. Like, I see that. Actually funny. Like, they're always yeah. making puns. And like, they're not even like, we're laughing at them to humor them. <laughs> right. Them. Yeah. Right, um, right. And so that's summer. And, um, and mm-hmm. summer's really, I think, kind of hitting that age, that seventh grade age, where like now they're thinking about more of their identity um, right. and this past year too. So that's just been really interesting in the lens of what we do as a normalizer. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then Lolly, she's nine years old. As far as Lolly's a riot. Yeah. Yes, she <laughs> is. She's Lally's so funny. Like mischievous and goofy yep. yeah. and like yeah. torments Ash, but they both love it. Like she like gets in trouble, but in funny ways yeah you know? yes. she's like yes yeah and she's like really pretend mean yeah. like really uh-huh. but then like has the best heart so it's just like yeah. all hysterical so. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah yeah so those are my kids so Lolly's in, um, in fourth grade yeah. And they seem so confident and comfortable talking about their identities and all that they're learning and they're confident being in the videos and all of that, I think, speaks to parent, the parenting, you know, and the family support and feeling that confident and comfortable to be educators for the world. Yeah. I mean, my mom's been uh, my mom was the sex ed teacher mm-hmm. um, before I was born. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, I think she, she quit teaching when I was born, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, I never quit teaching, but I stopped teaching. <laughs> yeah, you're still teaching. Yeah, you're teaching many more than you would in a classroom. <laughs> but she's been having conversations about like sex ed, like like basic stuff or like sexuality, mm-hmm. like basic stuff since we mm-hmm. were very little, um, since yeah. all of the kids were little, um, mm-hmm. which I think really helped make all of these topics much less taboo. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't know, make it much easier to have these conversations. Yeah. And a lot of people, the people out there who are the critics, a lot of people say like, oh, you know, you, you made your kids this way. 
And so I love like explaining to people that, yes, I've always been open to all of these concepts, but mm-hmm. we barely talked about it. We just made sure we did. But, yeah. You know, like, right. you know, we might get a more inclusive sex ed education book at four or five that's designed for that age. But that makes sure it shows like all different families, like yeah, right. just simple things. But it's not like we sat around talking about all this like we do now. Right. But we always made sure whenever we did have that conversation, whenever we were talking about puberty starting or whatever, that the kids knew that they could ask us any questions. I'm like, I don't get embarrassed mm-hmm. by anything. <laughs> like yeah. you cannot, you're probably more likely to get embarrassed than I am. And then mm-hmm. because it's all natural, right? So yeah. I'm like, what, what's there to yeah. be embarrassed about? It's just like yep. everybody, almost everybody at some point will have sex. Like, these are natural things that yes. um, people are feeling and experiencing. And so, yeah, so I was always very open to it, mm-hmm. but we actually didn't talk about it like this until Ash came out. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I have a lot to learn to like get more modern in what I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what was that like for you, Ash, when you came out to your mom? So I did know that my parents were going to be accepting, mm-hmm. but I was really, really terrified. So I, I've known that I was lesbian since I was like, well, no, I thought I was pansexual when I was like, like, I mean, I realized when I was like 11, I like suspected Mm -hmm. since I was 10. So it all all happened really early. Um, Mm -hmm. But I was really, really scared to tell my mom because I was scared it would change things. You know, like I didn't even think it would be a bad reaction. I just thought that things would change or that she would look mm-hmm. at me differently. So when I was 13, I came out to my mom. I was really scared too. So, I mean, I didn't really come out. She sort of guessed. <laughs> yeah. um, I wanted to come out. And then she sort of guessed that I was lesbian. I mean, mm-hmm. I suspected since Ash suspected. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I could tell Ash was trying to tell me something and had kind of like backed off. And I almost said chickened out, but I don't like that. So I will stop myself Mm -hmm. when I'm about to say something that's just an expression Mm -hmm. because I actually don't think it's a lack of courage. It's like, you have to be ready in that moment. So I try to say like backed off. And so Ash was about to say it, backed off a little, but looked to me like Ash really still wanted to say it, you know, like, so that's why I kind of pushed it. And I was like, does your thing you're trying to say have anything to do with being LGBTQ? And Ash mm-hmm. is like, how did you know? You know. Yeah. So then I think yeah. that created a space yeah. for, but yeah. yeah. And then yeah. when I came out as non-binary, it was a little different. I came out in the car and my mom was so shocked that, and she was like really like interested in the conversation and she was super, super shocked. And yeah. she was like not focusing on driving Uh-oh. and she completely <laughs> crashed the car. Like oh, it was no. bold. Like we, we oh, couldn't even no. fix the car. Oh my God. It was totaled. Yeah. <laughs> Were you okay? Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great coming out story. Yes. I did not know that. I haven't seen a TikTok video on that story. Is that, oh That's my really goodness. Good. People I think are kind of waiting on that. Story. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm definitely embarrassed. <laughs> no, it's understandable. Oh my goodness. But thankfully you were okay. So, okay. It was a combination of things. I, I have chronic migraines. They're, mm. they're pretty bad. And yeah. usually I try not to drive when I'm having a migraine because mm-hmm. um, it actually does things to my vision. Mm-hmm. So a little bit, I was like, okay, this place is very close and I can, if I'm fully focused, I can drive there safely. Problem was I wasn't fully focused. So Ash came out and honestly, so I knew Summer was non-binary. Like, yeah. You know, when I say new, like nobody knows till their kid tells them, but I, right. I, I, I was like something, you know. Yeah, Summer yeah. Um, has always been very upset by like, even like the smallest like divisions between genders or gender yeah. mm-hmm. or the smallest yeah. implication mm-hmm. that they should separate themselves out from the girls. Yeah. Right. Um, really, really yep. bothered them. Um, mm-hmm. And so I knew something with Summer. Mm-hmm. I knew Ash, well, I, I suspected Ash was probably gay in some way, but I didn't know for sure what. Um Ash being non-binary totally shocked me. Like, com- like no, no hint of it in any which way. And so I actually love that perspective now because I'll talk to parents and they'll be like, oh, my kid can't be non-binary. They like dress so girly and they've always liked girly things. And, and I'm like, well, <laughs> actually, you can absolutely be non-binary and, you know, show no indication of it in your gender expression and in your interests. And, you know, yes. so... Yeah, um, exactly. So I, I was really surprised. And, and so then I had so many questions and I just started focusing in on Ash 
And before I knew it, um, a car hit us, but it was my fault that the car hit us. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a good cautionary tale yeah, for everyone, definitely. right? Because Pull as parents, <laughs> yeah, we need to be ready for anything, you know? And I know that our kids think a lot and plan a lot about the timing of coming out to us. And it's important for all of us to really make sure that the door is open, that it's a safe space, that the timing is right. You know, and as you said, the backing off, if you feel like they're not ready, it's a very intricate dance. It really is. And even after your child comes out, the conversations around it need to be engaged in very mindfully and respectfully and carefully. I know Jackie and I talk about that a lot. Like she's very good about drawing boundaries boundaries about what she's comfortable discussing and what I might ask or say that she's not comfortable with, or she teaches me, you know, to, can you say it this way? Or can you, you know, and so this is all why we're, I think we're all doing the work that we're all doing to help parents and families understand these things and stay connected and, and be respectful, but also connected and to be able to, you know, to, I mean, I just love the name, the normalizers to normalize it all, to talk about it. We didn't choose the name. Our followers named us. Uh, Oh, that's amazing. I love that. that. I love that. So I'm just curious, how did you go from having these conversations within your family and amongst yourselves to posting videos and sharing that publicly? How did you make that decision? And then how did it go from starting to, oh, wow, these videos are getting a lot of views? Well, let's see. So I actually, so I, like Ash said, I used to teach in a, in a school, actually um, helped start up after they started up and then I joined in the first year. So like did a lot to help them start up um, the girls middle school out here in California, which is a really progressive middle school. We actually had somebody who was non-binary in our school when there was no term for non-binary. Like Mm. I didn't know that's who they were, but we were immediately accepting of them when they told us like they wanted to use the name a different, well, I won't say their name, but they wanted to use a different name. And they, you know, just kind of, when I think of like somebody being non-binary in terms of kind of their emotions and how they talk about themselves, I'm fairly positive that they were. So it's a very progressive school. We taught sex ed. I taught sex ed as part of a class called social emotional learning. And so really we taught like everything around it too, which I really like, like communication and decision-making and relationships and not just like the basic sex ed stuff. It was a whole year class where we talked about all of those different topics too. And I also taught humanities, but honestly, like I got pulled into teaching social emotional learning because they needed a co-teacher and I loved it. I just fell in love with the whole topic. And I was like, I don't know why I'm teaching humanities. Like I do love literature and things, but, and writing, but, but this is amazing. And so that was like 20 years ago. And then I stopped teaching when Ash was born and just focused in on my kids and having, especially having an autistic child, like it's very time consuming when they're little, especially for a lot of parents. So I was just totally focused there. Then I was like, they were growing up and I was like, okay, I want to see if I can bring a social emotional learning like to the whole world. So rather than go back to the classroom, social media is amazing. And I feel like social emotional learning is really important. And so that's where we kind of started. So, so, um, so yeah, we had like, well, so I had like, I wasn't really 10 failed attempts, um, like at least 10 failed attempts. Um, So I tried so many times and I was like, let's say like you both realize like, oh, I want to try this different approach. It would be so sad because I'd be like, I did all this work and I have all this content. I would throw it out and start over because I was like, even if the content is great, even if I love what I'm doing, if I'm not having the impact I want, then I'm like, instead of focusing on the fact that I wasted the last year, I'd be like, I'm wasting the rest of my life, like doing this stuff that's not having the impact I want. So I didn't want to waste all those years. So So, she saw a a TikTok um, that was sort of like a conversation, like how we do, except more like funny, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was a lot more funny, a lot more funny. Two people who are like roommates and friends and Uh they're just like really hilarious. But they use that format of back and forth. Mm -hmm. And I don't Mm -hmm. think it was as like educational or LGBT. No, nothing. Yeah, it was just funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What if we made a TikTok like that? Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, it's so funny because like whenever I think about it, I'm like, what if the algorithm hadn't shown her that one video? No, yeah. Yeah. And and really what happened was like, I view TikTok like research. Like it's super fun. It's like, (laughs) it's a really great job, but I also view it like research. And so what I noticed was these specific videos. Yeah, good thing that I came across them. But Mm -hmm. every time I saw them, I felt like that's different. 
Like mm-hmm. that's like, I'm like really engaged in this in mm-hmm. a different way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And then we posted our first conversation TikTok and it got something like 100,000 views immediately. Oh. Yeah. Wow. It really? It was like a huge success. Yeah. success. Um, wow. It made me really realize like I had spent, let's say like six months on TikTok on a different account getting yeah. 8,000 followers, you yeah. know, like, yeah. and I would be like yeah. so proud of it. Like there's nothing yeah. not to be proud of that. Yes. But I was like, I know the impact I specifically want to make and the dedication yeah. I'm going to put into this mm-hmm. is bigger. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, and also it's sort of pure chance whether or not a video goes viral and sort of, of like yeah. the chance was like yeah. in our favor <laughs> this yeah. time we went mm-hmm. although really also it was persistence in yes. our you're saying this time yeah yeah because like we could have also scrapped this account and tried again right like it, right. it's also the persistence of I'm going to keep trying things and be willing to start over until yeah. I find something that people relate to yeah and then we grew for like I don't know I want to say like four months and I'd been like pressuring my mom to build a discord server and she was like no this is scary I don't understand it it's like a new social media that I didn't know at all yeah yeah finally she made it and it like took off yeah and then we started branching out to Instagram and to like I don't know YouTube Twitter although honestly all of our all of those are still so new like yeah I could probably scrap them and start over still they're all kind of like newer things yeah Um, right but the yeah so the TikTok we it was a lot of persistence and starting over I I easily Mm -hmm. have had five different TikTok accounts. Yeah. I tried oh. to reach parents first. I was like, I yeah. want to educate parents so they can educate mm-hmm. their kids. I tried to actually teach like a teacher, you know, yeah. but one thing I learned in my grad school training was people learn the most, like the brain actually, because I, I studied educational psychology. So like mm-hmm. the way the actual brain learns is through fun. Uh-huh. Right. Like kids learn through all yeah. that fun you're having playing with mm-hmm. them. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of why I was like, I want to make this fun. Like, how do I make yeah. this fun? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Well, it is very fun <laughs> in your, yeah, your videos. And you're right. Like each platform is so different. So you've got to figure out how to reach. And I'm curious, based on what you, what you were just sharing, do you have one, because I think all your videos are amazing. Honestly, I'm a huge fan. I, I really am. And they make me feel good, you know, as the mom of a, of a transgender woman and try, out there also trying to educate, you know, it just makes me feel good how easy the conversations are for you and how important the topics are. I want to let everybody know you're not just talking about LGBTQ plus related topics. You're talking about autism. You're talking about eating disorders. You're talking about your Indian cultural background. I know in one of the videos, you talked about how you can relate to some of the struggles that your kids have with their identity and fitting in and, and connections with peers because you, you know, were your Indian cultural background, but yet you didn't grow up in India. You know, so there's so much nuance to all of the topics that you're discussing. I tried to write some school, you know, oh my goodness, all the issues with school and navigating, telling teachers your pronouns and and, and getting support and so much you're covering so much content so when we talk about social media we often hear like we've got a what's your niche and what is your one thing that you and I love that you're not doing that <laughs> and I can go and I'm going to see a video where it's like you're talking about something totally new that you've never talked about before and I'm going to learn something about that so I just applaud you and say keep please keep doing that and you're proving that it's not true that we have to stay like single focused because all of these issues and and many of them are related and connected right? Intersectionality. I, our main focus is on LGBTQ plus people, but a lot of these issues affect LGBTQ plus teens, like disproportionately. Right. Right. So like mental health disproportionately affects LGBTQ plus youth, right? So, um, so we try to talk about the things that matter other than just the straightforward conversation of, you know, this one thing, but I actually like really rebelled against having a niche for a long time. I was like, it gets so boring. Like, yeah, just talk about this thing. That's not your whole life. Right. Right. Um, But I, you know, have since like kind of cowed a little bit, like I, it is important to have a niche, but a niche doesn't mean what I thought it meant. Like we have to have more like what I would call a lens. So like, you know, mental health through the lens of how does it affect LGBTQ plus people, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, being right. Indian and being in a community where people might be less accepting because of that, mm-hmm. like things like yes. that, you know? So I do think the lens is important, but I don't think right. you have to talk about one topic over and over again. Yeah. Right. And you mentioned earlier the algorithms and how we're kind of at their mercy. So I'm curious what your perspective is having gotten so much engagement on 
what it's like. Like we hear so much in the news about social media and the destructive effect it has and the misinformation it perpetuates and the way it can radicalize people and the way the algorithms aren't transparent and the lack of uh, moderation and the lack of controls on hate speech. So what's it like to kind of go upstream and create a safe place in this wild west of social media? How do you how do you navigate that? What what do you think the companies can do better and how are you hoping it continues to evolve? Probably the biggest thing with like, I don't know, social media uh, is that we don't run into a lot of like controversy against our videos. But when we do, it's like complete hate, you know, Mm -hmm. it's either complete hate Mm -hmm. towards our videos or like people who absolutely love our content. And like, I don't know. So true, bestie. (laughs) Yeah, it is so true. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. It shows how like social media shows you like, I guess. I don't know, sort of polarizes people a lot more. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought of that, but that's true. Like either we're like so supported, right? Like we'll post mm-hmm. a video and so many people will be like, you know, like what I just posted about Summer getting harassed at school and the whole comments are filling out with like, give Summer our love, like Summer mm-hmm. doesn't deserve this. Mm-hmm. You know, just like so much support and love for Summer. If they actually knew Summer, like nobody would ever hate on Summer. Summer's amazing. Yeah. Can you tell Summer I mm-hmm. want to give them a hug? You know, so it's either like that mm-hmm. or you're right. It's like we get on the wrong side, meaning like if there's a filter yeah. bubble and like everybody's seeing it in this group or everybody's seeing it in this group, we get on the wrong side and I had like the first experience I had, I can handle trolls pretty well, but the first experience I had where I posted a video about it was summer coming out. I feel like Mm -hmm. when we talk about gender, it gets a lot more hate than sexuality. You know, like we've come a lot further in sexuality acceptance than gender. So it was summer coming out as non-binary and the hate on that video stopped Summer from speaking out in public for about six months. Like, wouldn't do anything, you know, like, wouldn't, you know, make TikToks, wouldn't come. And I, you know, I didn't push them at all because I think it's really important to honor Mm -hmm. too. But then eventually they they got past it and they were like, I do want to start, you know, putting my voice out there again. Yeah. But it was like one hour. Yeah. 1,000 horrible comments. Yeah. Like, oh. Horrible, horrible comments. Mm-hmm. And that one got to me. Like trolling mm-hmm. normally not, but that one, yeah. I was like, to see the sheer hatred that is out there in so yeah. much bulk, yeah. it's very, it just brings, it floors me. Like, you know, yeah. so I was, I, so I like spend a lot of time, I spend a lot of time creating a safe space by actively yeah. managing comments and things. Yeah. Like I will not let a comment sit on my page that's hurtful. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. So um, I was like deleting, deleting, deleting. I would delete mm-hmm. a comment and go back and there would be a hundred comments to replace that one. Literally. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's how the, the rate at which it was going. Yeah. Finally, I realized I just need to turn off the comments. So I turned yeah. off the comments for that video. Then yes. people do edit it just to write hateful comments. So then I turned off editing. Like, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So when it gets to that side, it's very, very, very harmful. Yeah. And do you think that, that the companies have an obligation to do better when it comes to preventing that kind of content, blocking the people who are coming back, blocking their IP addresses, things like that? I don't know. I think that definitely a lot of what's being commented is hate speech, which is against their terms of service. But I think that it's probably very difficult for the companies to find all the hate speech on every single of the like millions of videos that are uploaded. It is, yeah. but I mean, I do think they have an obligation I do think to do their should. best to do yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, Jackie, in that they do need to try their best. I honestly, like I have other issues with TikTok. Like we had, um, we had to pull our, we had an account where we taught sex ed and it wasn't mm-hmm. Ash and I. Ash is like, please don't ask me to teach sex ed. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like I, was just, I think Ash was 14 at the time. And I was yeah. like, don't worry, I'm not planning on it. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, now I'm covering sex ed books. <laughs> oh. We yeah, just got a book are? That's congratulations. That's amazing. From a top wow, five publisher. Awesome. It was amazing. Nice. Yeah, really, oh, really that's incredible. So that's really happy impressive. for you. Yay. Yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be writing a book oh. that's an LGBTQ plus guide for teens. That's mm-hmm. you know, a sex ed guide for teens, but like much more inclusive. Yeah. With oh, a, that's a amazing perspective and like yeah. a parenting conversation. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Will you come back on the podcast when you release it to talk about it? <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh, I'm so excited for you. But uh, yeah, but so anyways, that's off track. But yeah. um, I was going to say that we had on TikTok an account 
that was teaching this. And it was right. so censored that we were like, mm-hmm. we can't teach this all. So we actually, then we moved to podcast because we were like, mm-hmm. we can say whatever we want on podcast. Yes. But so it won't get taken down. People might not listen to it, but it won't get taken down. Right. You know? yeah. I that think is great. To, so in that way, you know, I have an issue. What's but, the um, name of the podcast? Just so we, oh, can we have two now and we're going to have a oh, third great. one. So we have one that's just called the Normalizers Podcast. Right. Normalizers. Normalizers. Uh, Great. Spotify everywhere. Um, Yeah. Great. It's everywhere. It's on all the. Great. And then I have one with another. Actually, I only have one employee now for this nonprofit. Seven. Um, Seven is amazing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so seven's in Ireland and Evan and I talk together in a podcast called The Talk 2.0. And it's okay. a sex ed podcast for teens. Great. It's very, you know, inclusive it's for anybody, really. Like, I think there's a lot for adults to still learn because we didn't get yeah. it growing up. Yes. But so we have a sex ed podcast called The Talk 2.0. And then I'm thinking of starting one for parents. Uh, Great. So I think. Are you going to be on that? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. what we decided. Yeah, we're going to have a teen conversation yeah. um, um, about for parenting. parenting. Yeah. That, I think that's so important. And it's, I'm thrilled to hear that you're going to do it together because you two really model being comfortable having those conversations. It doesn't have to be so difficult and awkward, you know? So I'm, ex- I'm super excited to listen. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, me too. I love all this. I'm like, yeah. I have the best job ever. I created <laughs> yeah. the best job ever for myself. Yes. But so, you know, I feel like I'm going off on a million tangents because we're doing so many things. No, it's great. It's great. Yes. Um, But what I was going to say about TikTok is like, yes, they overly censored the sex ed stuff, I think. Mm -hmm. But I think TikTok has done the best job so far for me of protecting our safe space with me. Mm. Um, I know that there's still work to do, but I do feel like TikTok's actually doing that work. And I'm really Mm -hmm. impressed with that. Like Mm -hmm. I used to have to delete individual comments and it was so, so time consuming. Mm -hmm. And then... You know, I wrote to them. I don't know if I did it or if a lot of people did it, but now they have like multiple delete. So like oh. if our things start filling up with any kind of negative comments, I can mm-hmm. turn on multi-delete and just click, click, mm-hmm. click, click, click and delete them all, all at once. Mm-hmm. I always get a really good response for like when I report hate speech, mm-hmm. most of those accounts get banned, you yeah. know, and I'm like, I don't feel bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, sorry. Yeah. Um, like awesome. around places. Sounds like they're doing a better job than some of the, pla- some of the yeah. other. Yeah. I really yeah. Think, Cause we're on almost all the platforms and I really yeah. think that TikTok's actually doing a better job than most. Um, yeah. That's, and, that's good to hear. I didn't and know that. They because increased, I, yeah. They're, yeah. they're really focused on it. They increased mm-hmm. the, the amount of moderators you can have when you go live and how mm-hmm. you can uh, select them ahead of time. So you can like have a really curated group of moderators. Mm-hmm. I want there to be moderators for the comments section. Mm-hmm. Like that yeah, would help yeah. me a lot. Like yes. when I go live, Ash and I, when we go live, we don't, we don't have, have to, to look at any, we don't have to, we don't have to manage anything. Yeah. Right. Right. But then for That's the comments, great. like only I can delete those comments. Mm-hmm. So I wish that we, I could give people access to mm-hmm. delete hate comments when they come across them. Yes. That would help a lot. And then there, yeah. they increase the number of words you can block by a lot. Yeah. So like oh, every okay. variation people keep trying to come up with to hate on us, we mm-hmm. just keep adding them into the block that's list. Great. You know? Oh, that's great. I love that. I just learned a lot from that because I didn't know that you could do any of that. I've been deleting comments one by one and I've been reporting lots of people on all the platforms and I never see anything really happening. I, you know, well, I think a lot um, of those features are unique to TikTok, right? Yeah. Cause I do social media for my full-time job as part of my responsibilities and most of it is like Nextdoor, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and those platforms are pretty universally bad at, at doing the things you're describing. So it's, that's great to hear that it's different on TikTok. For example, like I can't delete hateful comments on my tweets. So I can't create a safe space on Twitter. I gave up. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to create a safe space on Twitter. Yeah, she's trying yeah. to do parent, like, I'm trying to, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to build a parenting audience on Twitter so I can reach more right. parents. But when I say I'm going to go on a social media and create a safe space, I won't do it unless I can. Yeah. So yeah. I am not creating a safe space on Twitter because I can't. Like yeah. I, if I can't immediately delete something that might trigger somebody else when they come across it, then I can't create a safe space. Yeah. And to your point earlier about polarization, I think that's so central to so much of the work we're doing. We've talked about it with Dr. Olson Kennedy about what what is it like to see work that you do treating trans kids become literally illegal in other states in this country that we live in. So what is your take on where we're headed as a country? Is is this country ever going to be a safe place for queer people or is it always going to be like a sea of danger dotted with little islands where we can be safe? I think, yes, at some point it will. It will um, be a safe it's space. It's so yeah. much work to get there. 
but I do believe mm-hmm. we can get there. Um, I see mm-hmm. some positive changes. I see a lot that makes me very sad, yeah. and especially all these laws coming out recently. I think we we did a lot of research on that because there yeah, was a lot of laws popping up all at once. And did you do that research? No, Maggie did. No, Maggie. actually, no, somebody else did. Coley did. Yeah. So I don't know if you remember some of the statistics from it. I don't. Okay, I think yeah. I do. Um, there was, so the suicide rate was going up mm-hmm. and it was because so many trans people felt like that's the direction we're heading. Like yeah. kind of what you're talking yeah. about. Like I'll never be mm-hmm. safe or I can't believe mm-hmm. like my state's becoming more restrictive, not more progressive. Right. right. But we actually did research because I was like, there's, there's so, so many people help me now. It's like from the Discord server, so many people help me. I couldn't be doing all mm-hmm. the stuff I'm doing. And there's somebody, Coley, on our Discord server who spent a lot of time researching who is funding these laws, where are they coming mm-hmm. from, keeping mm-hmm. track of like the progress they were making because we mm-hmm. wanted to give people hope. Because I think hope's really important and I don't want to give people false hope. So it needs to be yeah. researched hope. And mm-hmm. so anyway, so she, you know, she did her research. And what we found was that a lot of the laws were being funded by a very small group that was very well funded. And the uh, public support for the laws was very low. So mm-hmm. we did see a lot of laws popping up a lot of places. Mm-hmm. They were well funded. So that's scary. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the public's opinion of people, not mm-hmm. nearly so dire as it felt. Yeah. It's not like the whole country was suddenly against trans people. Actually, right. the support for the laws was quite low, mm-hmm. but they were getting through because of the funding. Yeah. So mm-hmm. really, and most of those laws, like they were one group, there was one group that was mm-hmm. really creating most of these laws. And then a lot of them didn't end up going into action. So that was really nice to see too. Like, you know, there's still... Um, <laughs> It's still very depressing, but it's also depressing that like good funding can bring about laws like these. Right. I don't know. Yeah. That so many people disapprove of. Yeah. Um, So the way our political system works is very depressing. No, it's such a good point. It's not necessarily that there's a majority of people who are so hateful because I, I think a majority of people are not that hateful, but it's that we have a system that is completely broken where a small group of people with a lot of money can pick an issue like that. And we have a system where we have, I mean, you could say one party, you could say two parties that are in the pocket of uh, large corporations and would rather focus on social issues than economic issues. So maybe it would be a lot more popular for the Republican base if they did something that actually redistributed wealth or actually created opportunities for people who were low income. Maybe that would be more popular with their base, but they're not going to do that because they're actually accountable to their corporate donors. So they'll pick on transgender people instead because that's uh, close enough. Enough of a distract. We're a distraction. And it's 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 just sad to think that. And it's all social media, are. right? Like it's popularized. So mm-hmm. it's something that's like eye-catching and sensational. And mm-hmm. but I also think like hate hurts a lot and takes a lot of love to counteract. So like yeah. if these laws are popping up and if there's other supportive things popping up all over the place, it's hard to yeah. focus on the supportive things. Like just as human beings, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the hate really stings. And it's yeah. very hard to like look around it. And see like all these supports that are being put in place, like Mm -hmm. trans, you know, having to have gender neutral restrooms and locker rooms for all Mm -hmm. kids all across California, like things Mm -hmm. like that. Or like, I guess it's so much on my mind because I'm sad for summer right now. um, Because I I just, they went back to school for one week after a year and a half and already, you know, and they felt so protected in that year and a half to Mm -hmm. just be themselves Mm -hmm. without the hate because they weren't at school. So, but it's, it was three kids and probably almost the entire class is supportive of them. But right. those three kids, the the feeling that brought, like the whole class could be supportive and it's still hard to be yes. enough love to counteract a little bit of hate, you know? Right. So. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's why all of us, the four of us and, you know, people who are doing this kind of work, we stay really inspired and motivated because we want to, even if it's just one person that we can provide that hope for and that love and that they feel safe and that they feel there are people in the world who, who are out there supporting them and cheering for them. It's really, this work is, is incredibly important and rewarding and we, you know, we're all in it together. And, you know, that kind of made me curious too about, like in our family and in our friend circles, we got nothing but support. So I almost think we have this skewed view. I don't know if it, we're all in California, you know, if we're in California. Like, did you find that when your kids were coming out in various ways and you're, you know, probably over time, like different family members and community members of friends are finding things out? Like, did you find a lot of support in your inner circle? 
I mean, I found a lot of support for my family, my extended family. Like mm-hmm. uh, my extended family is generally very great about yeah. everything. Um, yeah. Some of them don't understand it as much, but mm-hmm. it's like everyone's very loving and caring. And I guess like even if they don't understand it, they still love us and they're trying to understand it. Also, yeah. like I think something like five of my other cousins are queer. So that also uh-huh. um, also factors <laughs> yes. into it. I've definitely yeah. created a very safe space for all of them. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Out. yeah. I mean and then yeah. yeah. And then at my school, I think most people are supportive at my school. Yeah. There's more of a little bit of like a hostile environment of like, I don't exactly know who's supportive and who's not. Right. Um, I know most people are supportive, but I don't know who those most people are and who, right. people who, are, who aren't supportive. So yeah. it's hard to feel as safe. Right. Because like, I don't know, it's hard to feel as safe talking to anyone because that person I'm talking to could be like the one in right. one in 200 right. people at yeah. my school who are like transphobic. Um, right. Yeah. Right. And I had one transphobic friend for a lot of middle school. So that, I don't know, that made my school community feel a lot less safe. Yeah. But also I think that in high school and junior year at my school, um, at least a lot of people are LGBTQ+. And I think a lot of people without that peer pressure when they were home from school, a lot of people came out specifically because they could do so without so much fear of yeah. like what's yes. going to happen the next day when I go to school. Yeah. And yes. so we see like coming back from the pandemic and going back to school, a lot more people who are. Out. Oh my goodness. Yes. I, I've really seen that too. I just want people to know, cause people have been asking me like, why is this all of a sudden everywhere? And all these kids are coming out. And that is very true. I'm in a support group and I'm a volunteer for the support group and I do intake calls and it, everything's definitely there's been an uptick and it's not, it's absolutely, it has been impacted by the pandemic and people being safe at home and, and kind of having that time and space to reflect and get in touch with their own identity and also the safety to come out and not have to worry about doing that in a public way at school. So it makes perfect sense, right? It's not some crazy thing that people are like, why is this happening? It makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, right. This is not a trend. And also I just want to say, you know, because you said, you know, we have like five queer cousins and we have we have queer people in our family too. I think that once one person comes out in a community or in a family, other people feel safer too. So again, it's not this phenomenon of like, oh, how weird you have all these queer people in your family. It's like, no, you probably do too. It's just that no one's making it safe for them to feel that they can come out. I really want people to understand that. I could be totally wrong about this, but I also think that having an app like TikTok, I think like that provides some anonymity. Like, I don't know, apps like Instagram or whatever Mm -hmm. um, often go out to people in your city, at your school, all of that. Your posts Mm -hmm. go out to people around you. But TikTok goes out to like random people everywhere. And I think that helped a lot of people, like Mm -hmm. that type of algorithm helped a lot of people Mm -hmm. feel more anonymous and feel more free to question their sexuality and like see more posts of other people like them. I don't yeah. know. People felt a lot more confident. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of the, like, if you found my TikTok, no, you didn't. Yeah. And a lot more. I see that on TikTok yeah. because uh-huh. it's like people are like much less likely to come yeah. across it. And so, also yeah. this same thing, uh, the same uh, amount of people like realizing they were queer. A lot of people realized they were queer when Tumblr was a thing, like, right. I don't know, something like eight years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they were queer um, back then because that was another anonymous big social mm-hmm. media right. and I think that that anonymity right. and I could be totally wrong well that was you <laughs> right wasn't that you figuring it out on well Tumblr? I mean I was yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's embarrassing <laughs> yeah I'm just like I don't want any ties to Tumblr anymore <laughs> right um, right <laughs> um, but, it but makes yeah sense. I think yeah Mm-hmm. I think so. And I think that it's really interesting how even just little things that are actually big things like gender expression, when mm-hmm. you're not going to school every day, you yeah. can wear the clothes you want to wear and have yep. your hairstyle the way you want to have it. Yep. There's so much pressure at school to like yes. look a certain way amongst your peers, right? And right. so if you're not doing that, you can kind of just experiment more too. Like yeah. this yes. is actually me. This actually is how I feel comfortable separate yeah. from what my peers yeah. think of me. Yeah, so many exactly. people came back to school with like such cool like outfits, such uh-huh. cool right. hairstyles, all of that, that I would have never right. seen pre-pandemic. Right. 
That's a really good point. So even aside from, you know, even if someone's not LGBTQ, it's like it was that time to kind of just go inside and really ask, who am I and how do I want to present myself to the world? And because yeah, there's so and, many identities, other identities, right? Yeah. And so yeah. People were not questioning yeah. their sexuality or gender. I'm sure we're still figuring out who they were. Yeah. Right. Right. And they all get to reemerge into the world as, you know, closer to their true selves, how they feel. I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we could talk forever. <laughs> and we really do want to have you back, especially if you want to come back and promote your book. Our audience is slowly growing over time. So maybe by then we'll have an even bigger, you know, platform for you to share your book. But that, you know, I'm just curious, like what, you know, in our final minutes together, like what you most want people to know, like, what are you most passionate? You teach so much important content about so many topics. Like what, you know, if we could say, you know, we, we know that a good you know, several hundred people are listening sometimes in the thousands to the podcast and the, you know, the different platforms we're on. What's most important for people to know? I think the most important thing for people to know is just that they don't have to understand something to accept and validate it because that's, that lack of understanding is what leads to so much transphobia and homophobia yeah. everywhere. Yeah. People, it's not even that these people are like inherently hateful. It's mm-hmm. just that they don't really understand. So I think mm-hmm. that knowing that that lack of understanding does not have to lead to a lack of acceptance. Um, And also Mm -hmm. I would love people to be more open to learning about things they don't understand. Like I feel like Mm -hmm. people's minds sort of close off to anything new that they don't understand, anything new and unfamiliar. And I think that people need to be much more open to learning about things. Just learning. Yeah. Just to to learning. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Very well said, Ash. I could not agree more. Yes. And then I think for me, I'm like, yes, obviously I'm passionate about education, um, but that's almost secondary to me now in terms of Mm -hmm. if you ask what I most want people, like I love teaching people, but what I most want people to know is that they are loved and they are safe somewhere, you know, and if that's not something that they have felt yet, I want them to feel that. And I know somebody who has never felt loved or accepted even just a little bit of love and acceptance, if they can find it somewhere, it yes. gives them enough to keep going and keep trying and keep trying to, they realize that that community is possible, something yeah. they've never realized before. And so sometimes you touch somebody with one video, one podcast, mm-hmm. and they realize, mm-hmm. wow, it is possible to be me and be loved yeah. and be accepted. Yeah. And yeah. then it sparks something to go seek out that community, a community yes. they literally had no idea even could exist for them. Yeah. So I want people to know that. And if they need somebody to love and accept them, we're all here. (laughs) We're all here. Absolutely. Yeah. And it really can, it's not the same as having real people in your life, but if if someone doesn't have that, it can come from social media. It can, it can help someone hang on for a little bit until they can find that real community in their life. I've seen that happen. We've gotten so much feedback that we've been able to do that for people. I know that you're doing that for so many people. So people who kind of, you know, dismiss it as like, oh, you're just doing silly social media stuff really don't, they don't understand. That's something that they don't understand. And we have to keep doing it. And we have to keep growing the community of people who are doing it. Like a lot of people in our community are interested in starting something themselves. And we always encourage them. I'm sure you do too. Um, because the more we can do that, the better, the more exactly. people you end up touching and doing that. And honestly, I'm so glad Ash pushed me to make the discord safe space yeah. because yeah. that it's a smaller community. I think yeah. we're now at 2,400 people yeah. Yeah. in the discord space, but it's, but the people who actually chat are definitely mm-hmm. much less than that. It's probably like maybe, you know, 500 people or something right. who like actually chat, but those people, like some of them, it's not the same as in person, but they live on the Discord server. Like yeah. there's a couple people I can name who yeah. I could go onto Discord at any point in time. They're there. They're almost guaranteed to be there <laughs> yeah. and to be willing to talk and like be so oh. happy you're there to talk to them yeah. Um, yeah. because they have no other space. And so yeah. this yeah. has become their home yeah. and they call it home. You know, yes. like some people are, they literally call their Discord server home. They're like, that's yeah. my real home where I yeah. feel loved and accepted. Yeah. So exactly. 
Yeah. And to be able to be yourself and present as your true self, even if it's in a virtual space. I know Jackie and I have talked to lots and lots of people who are trans and no one in their life knows, has any idea. And just even if to, to be able to reach out to someone over the internet and they know this about you and they love you and they want to chat with you and they want to, you know, make you feel safe and loved. It's a beautiful thing that we can do that through technology. It really is. You really, really inspire me. I mean, I was so honored when I reached out to you and you said, yes, you would come on and be on our podcast and talk with our audience because you have such a huge reach. You have such a massive reach and we're not there yet, but we're getting, we're learning and we're growing and we're trying to find that. And it's so incredible. Yeah. I read thank some you. of your, well, some of your you. writings and thank just, you. you know, and honestly putting your mother child dynamic out there, your parent child dynamic out there shows people like in my family, I can be loved. It shows parents, right, like I right. can be this kind of parent. Like, yeah, it, it's an incredible thing that, that you yeah. two are doing too. Like we're all, and that's what you're doing too. And that's why I resonate the, you know, with the videos and the work that you're doing resonated so deeply with me because I haven't found a lot of other parents and parents and their kids out there doing that. And I was like, Oh my goodness. They're kind of taking it from the same angle that we are of the parent and the child coming together and talking about, there's a lot of, I mean, I am so inspired by all the LGBTQ activists out there and I'm following all of them too but there's something about a parent and a child modeling for people how we can be connected and be supportive and be loving and learn. And I love, and I just want to say, I love about your, your videos and your work too is, and Jackie does this too, is there's the message of like having patience and we understand it takes time. And we understand that you might not get the pronouns right for a little while. And I think that makes it a little more accessible and relatable for parents, especially like Ash and, and Jackie's generation. I think they get on board so quickly and they get it and they know, and it's like, you're rolling your eyes at the parents and we understand but we so appreciate that patience and that message of like, keep listening, keep learning. You're getting it. What Ash, what you said just resonated so deeply and makes me want to cry because it's like, it's okay if you don't understand. Just respect, support, honor what's being requested of you. And that's, you know, like it doesn't seem that much to ask. Like, I really feel like parents can, can try to do just that because we see so many parents estranged from their kids and it's just heartbreaking and nobody wants that. And that's what we're all working to end and to prevent, you know? So it's really moving that you're doing that with all the work that you're doing. And I thank you. We thank you for what you're doing really, because it's hard too. It's vulnerable to put yourself out there in that way. And we want people to recognize and be grateful that you're doing that. Thank you. I'm grateful yeah. Ash is doing it. And yeah. thank you for taking I'm pretty sure I only had success because I got Ash on board with. <laughs> yeah, our kids are, I know. I feel the same way about Jackie. Like I could, there's no way I could have done this without Jackie. And we, it had to be something that we did together. Yeah. Thank you for the work you're doing. And thank you for taking the time to be with us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much for oh, having us so on your podcast. Fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'd we, love to come back sometime. Oh, yes, we will definitely stay in touch and look forward to talking with you more. And thank you so much, Monika and Ash, and our love to everybody else, Lali and Summer, right? Lali and Summer and Nick and your whole family. You're just a beautiful ray of light and love and education in the world. And we thank you. Well, thank and you. right back to you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to our Transgender School podcast. We hope you learned something new and that you're inspired to learn more. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. And please be sure to check out our website, transgenderschool.org. You'll find many valuable resources there, including news about upcoming courses we'll be teaching. Make sure to join us for future podcast episodes. We'll catch you on the first Tuesday of every month. 